project resume can make your medical coding dreams come true. From resumes to interview skills to navigating a successful career, Project Resume has the advice you need from coders you can trust. See all that we have to offer at projectresume.net. Please make sure to reference Medical Coding Geek when you place your order. Do you need a specialized recruitment partner to send you only qualified candidates? Do you need interim staff while you conduct a search for a permanent employee? Or are you losing hires to competitors? Renowned Talent recruits experienced HIM, RCM, and CDI professionals using their trusted candidate screening and retention process for health systems and employers around the U.S. Whether you have one or multiple openings that you need to fill ASAP, please visit Renowned Talent. And tell them you heard this ad through the NEC podcast. Again, visit RenownTalent, R-E-N-O-W-N, Talent.com, and tell them you heard this ad through the NEC podcast. You are listening. You are listening. You're listening to. Do not to not elsewhere. Not elsewhere. 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 Classified. Welcome to Not Elsewhere Classified, a podcast about the medical coding, health information technology, and clinical documentation improvement community. I'm your host, Brian Kui. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Not Elsewhere Classified podcast. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, welcome. Over 70% of our listeners listen to this podcast with their Apple iPhone. So please pick up your Apple device, go to Apple Podcasts, and leave our show a five-star rating and a review. You can check out Not Else Classified on social media, including Facebook and Instagram. You could check out Medical Coding Geek on all social media platforms, at MED Coding Geek on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and also check out our YouTube channel. You can check out our Facebook groups by going to medicalcodinggeek.com slash services. And while you're there, you, if you need a speaker, if you would like to sponsor an episode or a video on YouTube to promote your brand or service, please feel free to reach out to us. So before I introduce the next guest of the podcast, I do want to let you guys know that we are approaching our 100th episode of the Not Also Classified podcast. And so with the 100th episode coming in, I do want to thank all the listeners. I do want to thank all the guests that have been integral in, number one, growing my network. Number two, keeping me sane because I, I love to talk with people, especially with last year where we have been quarantined in our house. I think the podcast was a great outlet to reach out to people as well. And as a result of the podcast, you know, I've grown my network, but also my network has also grown their networks as well. And because of this podcast, they've been inspired to also create their own podcasts. So to celebrate the 100th episode, I am asking you, the listeners, and also the guests, to create a small message of celebration of the 100th episode. And to do this, you can go to anchor.fm slash NEC podcast. 
And when you're there, you could see a message button and you have the ability to record a very brief message. Or you can go to your device, your phone, your desktop and record a quick message and send the email, send the file to bcui at medicalcodinggeek.com. Again, the email is bcui at medicalcodinggeek.com. What I will be doing is taking all of the recordings and uh, making a segment of people celebrating the 100th episode. So I can't wait to receive recordings. And again, I do appreciate the support of the podcast over the past four years. So today in the podcast, I have Shirley Moy from Springsoft Medical Incorporated. So in this podcast, she talks about her background in computer science, how she started working in the automotive and manufacturing industry and found her way into working with an ophthalmology practice and developing an encoder software for evaluation and management. We also talk about healthcare quality. We also talk about how healthcare is 10 to 15 years behind in technology adoption. We also talk about her first user of the encoder software. And then we also include things such as cloud-based technology and also technology security. So if you're interested in information technology, specifically health information technology, health informatics, this would be a great episode for you to listen to. This is a two-part interview. So we will be talking about some of the things that I just mentioned. And in the next episode, we'll go more into her company and Swift Audit. So without further ado, here is Shirley Moy. Enjoy. All right, everybody, welcome to the Not Else Reclassified podcast. Today on the podcast, I have the CEO of Springsoft Medical Incorporated, Shirley Moy. How are you doing, Shirley? Very well, Brian. Nice <laughs> well, to be on your show. Well, thank you for being on. Um, how are we connected? You you chimed on you chimed to me on LinkedIn. <laughs> you sent me a. Uh, I think this is when I first started my my YouTube channel. I started throwing out videos, and uh, you chimed on in and asked. You know, you're talking about uh, the videos are great. And I said, well, if for people who automatically just chime out of the blue or just send me a message, and I automatically see like you know when whenever well, what I saw was okay, Shirley Moy, CEO at Springsoft Medical, and so my interviewing mind jumped in and like what is that and so why is she why is she connecting with me and i'm like okay this isn't a great opportunity for me to get her on the podcast i i have no clue which is really good because i i like to bring in people who i really don't know i don't know what they're all about and then uh bring them into this type of space into where they can kind of you know unpackage you know themselves and what they're all about and ha just have a good conversation because I'm here in this office, like you know, every day. And <laughs> aside from talking to my family, it's nice to to connect with people outside of this house. So, uh, again, thank you for being on the podcast. Let's just jump right in. Let's just jump right All in because right. I know you you you're talking about off the cuff stuff. So I think we're 
uh, I'm ready for that. I, I like to go on wild tangents and whatever. So I told you I have a good amount of time on my SD card. So let's go ahead and get started with the first question. Shirley, where did you come from and how did you get to where you are today? All right. Well, my journey is a bit of a long journey. So I'll start at the beginning. Okay. So I actually started off in computers in high school. Hmm. I was programming in the 10th grade. Now, mind you, this is decades ago. Mm -hmm. So computers at that time, uh, the computer I worked on, my watch probably could run 10 times rings around it today. <laughs> yeah. So, and of course, this continued into college uh, mm -hmm. with a degree in computer science. Ah. And then... Interesting. Right? Well, but the, the thing is, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you there, is because I have uh, a daughter who's about to be a senior, okay. and um, she's been tossing back and forth many um, majors, including hospitality management, since we live here in Orlando. Um, but she she just all of a sudden out of the blue, out of the blue. It's a good thing I have you on because I might have to throw in some questions here for for at least my daughter so I can sure. <laughs> tell her, hey, look, I spoke to a CEO uh, for you. Uh, she she threw in like computer science and I'm like, computer science, really? And uh, for me, I I'm glad you're here. Maybe you can kind of talk about that. But like for me as a parent and hmm. uh, trying to get her, trying to understand computer science. And so one of the schools here, University of Central Florida, in Orlando, I checked out their program, and then they have like many, many uh, just options for computer science. So to test my daughter, I, I asked her, did you look at the website ucf.edu and go to their computer science, uh, whatever program, and see what they offer? So I asked her. I, I knew it was like biomedical engineering, uh, you know, you're talking about uh uh, kind of like AI, robotics, all of these things. And so I asked her, what did you, what did, what in computer science are you interested in? No answer. <laughs> so it shows that she didn't really do her research. So I'm glad you're on here. So again, computer science, continue. Yep. No problem. Happy to talk to your daughter offline. Perfect. And chat through that. I've certainly seen quite a bit over the years okay, good. and the decades. Appreciate uh, that. There are many facets fascinating topics out there in there so uh, so with even with all those degrees one of the things I've learned in my journey and you and probably many other folks have the real school is really the school of life right yes and the school of business life mm -hmm. and we're going to chat a little bit about what I've learned along the way about uh, coding and compliance but it's uh, it's been some real interesting lessons along the way mm -hmm. So, so my schooling obviously kicked off the first half of my career. And I actually at the time graduated and worked for corporate level uh, software development mm -hmm. for automotive and manufacturing firms. Wow. Right. So I worked analyzing workflows, you know, working with real world users. It really, and you could probably imagine, and demanding complex systems, you know that were really responsible for some high dollar volumes. So I'm in Detroit, Michigan, mm, okay, perfect. Ann Arbor, Michigan. Mm -hmm. So high tech as well as the automotives in this area, a mm. lot of manufacturing. Okay. So that's kind of where I started. And then the second half of my career 
I actually is when I started building a PC software for healthcare. Ah, okay. And you're probably wondering how in the world did I get into that? Yes. <laughs> to go from automotive and manufacturing, huge systems, right, into PCs. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it was interesting. Uh, we started working uh, for a customer who worked for ophthalmologists, interestingly enough. Mm -hmm. And they basically said to us, the auditors are coming. The auditors are coming. <laughs> so we started a project with them. Mm -hmm. um, and as we kind of got into it, I knew, obviously, knowing with Blue Cross Blue Shield and any of the larger payers, all of those payers, they have huge mainframes, right? Mm -hmm. Doing processing, number crunching. Back then, the doctors really did not have computers. I mean, this is honestly when Windows was just getting released. Wow. Yep. So we actually, uh, working with those ophthalmologists, uh, and we knew the EMRs were also coming. Right. That was the other thing. So we started being consultants. We started looking at the industry as a whole and saying, okay, what's out there? At the time, it was pretty much uh, practice management systems, billing mm -hmm. systems, mm -hmm. barely scheduling systems. Scheduling was still on a calendar wow. on paper yeah. at the schedule's desk. Amazing. It, it, it's crazy. And then we started learning about the E&Ms. Mm -hmm. So this would, would have been pre-1994. Holy moly, wow. <laughs> yep. I, I actually have the uh, 1994 CPT book. It looks very also oh, you you actually keep the you keep the really old books like I do. <laughs> I've kept every single CPT since 94. Wow, that's amazing. So in learning about those ENMs, we kind of realized that they were really, you know, part, even back then, uh, top 10 of the on the OIG's fraud list. Mm -hmm. Right? And we all know that with the evaluation management code that the definitions back then were pretty vague. Mm -hmm. Yes. So uh, the it, working with the ophthalmologists, it was interesting because they kept saying to us, "We're really going to be in trouble because we only have one organ system. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be always a low code." So we started digging into it, reading the definitions, understanding the basic uh, concepts behind it. And because of, you know, my background really in that corporate level uh, consulting, I realized that the way it was being written was as if a big eight accounting firm back then, now they're big four, wrote the specifications. Right. So it's like, no, you're not quite reading this uh, the way that they intended to. So we dug into it and realized we had an opportunity. Mm. So, you know, we uh, basically built the Ian encoder with that. Amazing. Back in the early 90s and released it in 1995. Now this was just for ophthalmology, just for the eyes, right? So there's a, a limited code set for that. Well, no, actually we built it for, we, we built it using the ophthalmologist, the ophthalmology as a template, yes. so okay. to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, interesting enough, Ophthalmology then, even to the day, still has a four I codes. Mm -hmm. They use the all the E and M codes, but they also are allowed the old four I codes. Um, 
But no, we actually built the ENM coder to, to service any specialty okay. for all of the ENMs. And we help the ophthalmologists understand that no, they tend to be on the higher end of the ENM spectrum mm. uh, versus on the lower end. As we were kind of listening to them, we realized, you know, we really could see they were right. The auditors were coming. <laughs> uh, just like in all the industries yep. because of the high dollars, right? Yeah. So we realized we needed to help them to understand, you know, their financial exposure. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of anticipating the business trends, the compliance needs, the technology needs. Off we went running uh, with the software. The funny thing is when we built the uh, ENM coder, it was actually also the first application PC application in healthcare in a Windows environment. Okay. Most of it back then was still, uh, you know, what they call green screen or block screens. Is it the MS, the DOS system or something like that? The, yes. <laughs> yes. With the little blinking dots, it, it, <laughs> the blinking exactly. green light, whatever, whatever that, whatever color yes. it was. Yes. Where well, we're all playing. Oh, what is it that that little game with ping pong with the yeah. people? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of how I got started into this was actually working with the ophthalmologists and learning about the E and M codes and why they were important and how they were going to impact honestly the EMRs that were starting to get built. Right. The EMRs were just starting back then. Wow. So, like, I, I guess a question that I, I well, one observation that I've had. Uh, especially around that time pre-EMR is that healthcare tends to be a bit behind in technology compared to everybody else. Let's say, for example, like the banking industry, way far ahead than than what healthcare is now. So yeah. I've read somewhere it's, it's around like 10, 15 years behind <laughs> in technology. Yeah. So what, what healthcare is doing now, other industries have, have done it for like over, you know, 10 to 15 years. Exactly. So I've been watching a number, not only the technology starting to come into healthcare, I'm also watching a lot of the different uh, methodologies. Mm-hmm. So you hear in healthcare now, Six Sigma, right. continuous improvement, mm-hmm. all those terms, all those terms have been in manufacturing several decades before. Yeah, mm-hmm. And it, it's, interesting just talking about the concept of six sigma and continuous improvement the whole idea of that was zero defects in manufacturing mm-hmm. granted it, it, it's interesting to me continuous improvement of course but the whole concept of zero defects you could in healthcare things that way <laughs> But we all know that honestly, when a patient is sick, the whole point is honestly helping to find what's wrong mm-hmm. and then to to provide the best care possible, right? Yeah. Very different than manufacturing. Yeah, with manufacturing or like you said, the automotive, all you, you could just tear down the, the car and find the exact problem. I mean, in, for a patient though, there's a lot of ethics involved. I think that's what the holding back factor is. You can't tear apart the patient and find the you know find what the problem is because there are uh, variables. There are yes. uh, I think the risks. That's the biggest thing because uh, yes. when they when they do the informed consent for procedures, they got to let them know here are the risks. 
uh, let them know their options. And the, it's really, I think, you know, the automotive, they have no rights. They don't have, the, <laughs> they, they don't have a voice. They don't have a say. The patient has the rights. They have the say to their health care. And I think that's what's the limiting factor. And as you mentioned, like, is it possible to to have, you know, perfect health care? The answer to me is not really, but you can have good health care, good enough health care. Uh, I think that's where, you know, perfect health care is like, you know, it's, it's not so much uh, an achievable goal, but it's something that you can strive for to get close enough to, you know, it's like. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned before, you have you know the risks, you have the informed consent, the legal issues that that, yes. that are you know that I've seen a lot that kind of has affected how healthcare is being provided by physicians. That's another factor as well. So that plays into you know not really reaching that perfection. Absolutely. The Haugen Consulting Group offers healthcare consulting, education, and auditing services utilizing a team of industry experts specializing in leadership, project management, and assessments for HIM and patient access. Their auditors and educators are experts in facility and professional fee coding and offer education for ICD-10-CM, PCS, CPT, HIM, patient access, and revenue cycle. The Haugen Consulting Group is thrilled to be a partner with MedicalCodingGeek.com and the Not Also Classified podcast. Go to thehaugengroup.com slash shop and use promo code GEEK15 at checkout to receive a discount on webinars and desk aids. Again, go to thehaugengroup, H-A-U-G-E-N group.com slash shop and use our promo code GEEK, G-E-E-K-1-5 at checkout. Looking for a convenient, cost-effective solution for interventional radiology coding training? Check out Cracking the IR Code, Mastering Interventional Radiology and Cardiology Coding Online Education, created by interventional radiology coding expert Stacy Buck of RadRx. This comprehensive online training offers access to content for one year, Q&A support available during your one-year enrollment period, hundreds of coding scenarios, and actual operative reports. What are you waiting for? It's time to earn that specialty credential. Go to RadRx for additional testimonials and information and use our promo code GEEK. 10 for special pricing. Again, go to RadRx and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. Well, when you think about it, um, you know, if you're going to make a silver car, SUV, or truck, you can do it repeatedly, right? Mm -hmm. Thousands of times over. But the very same patient, you know, can present varying acuities. Mm in practically in a couple of different episodes. So very, very different. Our human bodies, fascinating as they are, uh, much more challenging than anything in manufacturing. And that's actually what interested me. In healthcare, in, sorry, for the automotive part, right? In healthcare. In healthcare. It's actually what interested me in healthcare. Okay. Number one, like you said, that technology is so far behind uh, but at the same time, the challenges to make an impact in healthcare yes. was also interesting. I think that's what holds back a lot of technology is just that. And, and that's where, like, you know, for, for people who are like yourself outside of the industry, they're trying to, you know, like, <laughs> just trying to force their way in. But then they get into these these roadblocks, you know, along the way. Like, let's get to the end, you know, where everybody else is at. It's like saying, you know, the world is... 
thinking about ICD-11, but yet here, yeah. you know, here we are in the United States stuck at ICD-10 waiting for data and all of that in order for us to move forward to the next thing where the rest of the world, the global healthcare uh, setting is all about. So it's like, I get it. You know, it's like, let's go. <laughs> let's go. It's like my, I, drop, I drop off my son uh, to football practice 7 a.m., and here, like 6.30 is already traffic, already like super yeah. traffic. And I'm like, let's go. Like, I, I can't even, like, it takes 10 minutes just to get onto the major highway. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. And then finally it clears. And then I'm like, okay, let's zoom out, you know, go over to where my son needs to go. So I can get a sense of, of what that feels like on a daily, you know, at least for me on a daily basis because I had to drop off and pick up my son. Uh, from football practice and absolutely and and obviously since we started so early in the game mm -hmm. absolutely the technology adoption is actually been pretty slow it's so uh, a couple of funny stories along sure. the way right mm -hmm. so we started with the encoder in 95 our very very first customer was from anchorage alaska <laughs> and no interesting they actually had a they they made a rubber stamp. They had a rubber stamp with the E&M guidelines on it. Uh -huh. Back then, it could fit on a rubber stamp. <laughs> they would stamp the um, the billing form, I think it was, check off what they need to check off, mm -hmm. and then they used the E&M coder, and the, co and the billers could code it in under a minute. Wow. Boom. Very progressive. That was our first user. Wow. As we progress mm -hmm. on the flip side, mm -hmm. we were uh, we had a practice manager, practice administrator, pretty sizable practice. Mm -hmm. You know, try ENM coder for the time period. Found that they could improve the revenue by twenty eight percent. Wow! Let's just say mm -hmm. when they tried to introduce it to the chief medical officer he actually threw the mouse out the window. <laughs> the project didn't go anywhere. Wow. So it, it, we've seen everything from, you know, the progressive mindset of uh, a practice in Anchorage, Alaska, yeah. to one where, and I have to say over the years, uh, providers that didn't, were of that age, that technology just wasn't their, you know. It wasn't their thing, so yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But today, as you know, you and I both know, the providers are out there, the technicians are out there, the uh, ancillary staff that's out there, much more tech savvy. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I agree. You know, phones, yep. you know. Um, Watches. <laughs> Watches, <laughs> virtual reality glasses, rings that control everything, right? Rings that control it all. Yeah, yeah. So uh, very, very different. And yet, interestingly enough, ad adoption of software and compliance is still slow. Mm -hmm. You know, so you have all of that great hardware technology in the surgical suite. Mm -hmm. Very fascinating there. And yet when it comes to the business side of the world, much slower adoption. Yeah. We still see a lot of folks using Excel spreadsheets. Yes. Mm -hmm. Paper checklists. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Of, of all types. Uh, and 
it's uh, two different worlds. Let me ask this question then. Why why do you think that is? Because I've had a previous guest, um, and uh, she she's on the inpatient side, so she does the appeals uh, and denials. She used to do denials, and then now she worked in appeals on the payer side. And then she transitioned from the dark side, as I call it. <laughs> you call auditors, I call them dark side yeah. uh, people. And she went back to the inpatient hospital facility side. And uh, not to work for an actual hospital itself, but she started her own company. And uh, she she noted that the, uh, the auditing process, the appeals process, the dealing with the auditors, like you mentioned, the, the business side of everything, she 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 gave me a word that I never heard before. It was antiquated, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so so why do you think? And I, I I've actually talked to other people as well. Like my my previous boss, she said like she doesn't have a system. She's you know doing with Excel spreadsheets and stuff like that. Uh, I did a project before, and the project was do a chart review and enter Excel spreadsheets. I'm like, excuse me, <laughs> what do you want me? To, you're paying me this much just to do data entry? Uh, why, why, why do we? Why is it that that it's not it's not happening? Why are we in this situation? I don't know if I actually have a very good answer for that because that is a very good question. The, in the surgical suite or in the provider's office, they are very interested in that tech because it helps in patient care. Mm-hmm. But it seems like the back office or the business office is often just a side thought, mm-hmm. right? If I Maybe it could be, you know, if I have uh, an EMR, why do we need to worry about anything? Right. Because, and there's a lot of money in the EMR. Yes. Right? So, but but as we all know, still denial management, compliance is not necessarily serviced by the EMR. Mm-hmm. That's going to be serviced by a whole nother set of uh, expertise in that office. Which they, probably, so, which they probably don't have. That they probably have to find somebody outside to make that happen because you don't see that necessarily as an in-house thing. That's how, that's what I've kind of observed. You would think. Yeah. And I'm saying that because we get calls by smaller, small, medium-sized practices mm-hmm. where the practice manager, the coder, the biller, mm-hmm. certified or not, are is tasked to do the compliance side of the work. Yeah because the OIG does highly recommend it mm-hmm. and there are just numerous reasons why uh, there is a lot of of uh, experts who do advocate for third party reviews mm-hmm. for all the for all the reasons right so we've seen a mix yeah uh, we've seen you know those that do it professionally still use Excel yeah it's and I was going to say, I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, this is the way I've always done it. I know what the, what's in there. I can control it. That whole concept. Yeah. Why, why, why fix it if it's not broken? I think there's a lot of that. Yeah. So for a product like ours, it's been just kind of helping them understand 
Yes, but we can still help you control, but collect the data so you can do your, your data analysis and your trends analysis. Yeah, that's important. Right, because you can only do so much, as you know, with an Excel spreadsheet. That's still going to be small project or single project yeah. base mm -hmm. where we can work across multiple projects, multiple team members. Mm -hmm. So that kind of leads me into the fact that really in 2010, mm -hmm. uh, we started realizing that the cloud was coming. Right. Yes. So here we are. We kind of moved through technology, the DOS world, the Windows. Yeah, world. I, I remember this very closely because because uh, yeah, you're talking about because I've had guests before, and you know, remember remote technology is from desktop to desktop, yes. <laughs> desktop to desktop. Then I remember just just by talking with IT, like you know, what's the issue here? Oh, the servers. We need to fix the servers, which is in a separate room, right? So that's the yeah. last thing I remember. And then now. It's like cloud technology. It's not like something, it's somewhere off somewhere else. And then they could just kind of fix it from remote, you know, and different type of things. So that's, that's what's interesting to me about the cloud technology is that's the newest thing right now. So, so what was interesting was that in, in the 20, early 2010, I would say, we mm -hmm. started looking at it. Cloud was already being adopted in other businesses. You yeah, had things yeah. like Dropbox, you had Gmail, mm -hmm. you had, you know, uh, all those different uh cloud-based tools, so to speak, we actually waited several years before we finally developed Swift Audit, mm. which was our cloud-based extension of Enum Coder. So the Enum Coder was obviously for Enums. Mm. And when we built Swift Audit, we built it with the Enum Coder engine, but we built it to service um, the broader compliance right, set. Right, right, right. You know, ICD 10s, we actually use the ICD 9 to ICD 10 conversion mm. as our jumping off point mm. to help with that conversion, uh, 9s to 10s uh, and such. So now Swift Audit is, like you said, in the cloud. What that does, we don't, we don't have to have practices who have to struggle through an install. Like yeah, so look at, let, let me stop there. Let me stop right there. Because <laughs> Oh my gosh! I remember. Uh, so, for those that are trying to understand, what does this all mean with cloud technology? Before, back in the day, like for me, I graduated in in two thousand three. So, just software programs itself had to be. I, I remember my my first my first encounter with computers was the Oregon Trail with the you know with the floppy disk, and you got to put oh. it in there. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that was my sixth grade year, but then when you when you progress and I started working in healthcare in different areas, you know the, the biggest thing is that the software had to be locally installed to each and every single unit. And I yeah. remember when when I used to work in the hospital when I was an HIM technician, um, when we rolled out with a I guess just a new system. I don't even know what it was. I think it was it was for you know. Um, for health information management or something for the EHR. And so they needed more people to go to every computer in the hospital and go to a link and then install from a server and, and go through every computer to make sure that everyone is installed. That was one of the painstaking things. And in order for, and then of course the updates was important. So if there was a new update because there was a bug in the current system, you'd have to repeat that process again and again and again and again. 
So what cloud technology is and what you've noticed in your phones, right, is that they do, you know, even in your apps, they automatically update as long as you have, you check it off like, okay, uh, automatic updates are okay with me anytime I want while I'm sleeping. <laughs> you don't have to wake me up. I don't have to go to everybody computer, everybody's computer and do it. It just does, does it automatically because of cloud technology. Definitely. So you were saying that we were updating yearly because the E&M codes were annual. Yeah, right? right, right. So if something, thankfully, we built it in such a way that we built it as easy touch and easy support. We really got to know some great tech support people at hospital systems. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's important. They, they did exactly what you're saying. They mm -hmm. had to go through every single user. Yeah do the install, do any debugging. Yeah. And if user A and user B are different, why? Mm -hmm. Different versions, yeah. going back to the database, if mm -hmm. something happened to the server or to the database, mm -hmm. all those kinds of issues. Yeah. So when, uh, for, for as a software provider, when we were able to actually go to the cloud, it actually, even though we took on the support role, we actually took on more responsibility. Wow. It actually at the same time eased that support role mm -hmm. because we knew what software everybody had. Mm. It, you were where in more their control. databases were situated and such. And we actually knew how protected the databases were. Mm. Okay. Because in the cloud, we're, we're responsible, right? Yes. And honestly, for the, uh, that's usually the, the one question we're always asked. What about security? Yeah. Well, with uh, with all the major players and major uh, databases, mm -hmm. they're actually all encrypted. Yeah, good. Mm -hmm. So that that's usually the first step. Typically, if you're listening to people who say, "Well, you know, such and such a hospital got hacked," yeah, I was about to ask that. <laughs> banks got hacked. <laughs> yep. If you actually, and of course, you know, being technology, it's always in, of interest to to, uh, to me. So I'm reading. It's like, how did that happen? Yeah, like the uh, like say for example, most recently the the was which which gas company was um, right? Yeah, uh, on the East Coast. Yeah, right where I am. Colonial? I mean, yeah, I think it's like around like the southeast, but minus Florida. I w I'm in yeah. Florida, right? So uh, for those that don't know, I think it was uh, a hacker. Uh, went into a gas company and held the the computer system in for ransom. That computer yeah. system in itself uh, handled all the logistics of the of the trucks that transported the gas uh, to the south to the south area minus Florida. And so how it affected us is because we don't even deal with that system. We deal with you know the Gulf Coast and then the other coast. You know with with the with the uh, boats coming into the port and delivering the gas, uh, people from Georgia, I guess because it was so close, it started to trickle down. And of course, me in Central Florida, like our gas was gone <laughs> by the, by the next day. I'm like, what's going on here? And so I, I had a half tank, and then I had to drive to like five, five, oh, wow. uh, five gas, five gas stations. Uh, thank goodness for Seven Eleven, they had their gas, <laughs> you know. But the, yeah, like that's when you mention security, that's how crippling yeah. uh, it can be. So that's why having encryption and and even more levels uh, is very important. It it is, 
And I think that uh, a number of folks are probably with IT and IT security, you know, they try to emphasize that really a lot of times uh, the attack comes at the user level, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You've got phishing, yeah. you've got spam. Social engineering. That, mm-hmm. or, or you hit a link that looks like it should be valid, but it goes to a website that isn't. Yeah. So it's almost as if, even if the house is all locked up, with an encrypted database. So yeah. if you think of your database as that house that's nicely locked up, the mm-hmm. windows are locked, yep. the doors are locked, mm-hmm. everything is locked. Mm-hmm. But if someone opens the door, yep. The floodgates. <laughs> then you just let somebody in the door. Yeah. Someone unlocks a latch on the window, and that's obviously a simplistic, right, know, right, right. kind of a, a description of it. Uh, honestly, the whole if Back to your daughter. Yes. If I was her age, I would actually look at uh, computer security. Okay. And and software security. I'm writing that down. <laughs> Fascinating area. Okay. Just it, like you said, for your daughter, software security, robotics is fun. Hmm. So many different things nowadays um, in computers. It's just such a broad, broad area. Yeah. So there you have it. That is part one of my interview with Shirley Moy. Please make sure to tune in next week for part two. You can check out Shirley on LinkedIn and you can learn more about Springsoft Medical and Swift Audit by going to www.swiftaudit.com. Medicalcodinggeek.com